0: Hey, friends, and welcome to episode 211 of It's About Time, a podcast sharing stories and strategies to inspire better work, life, and balance. I'm your host, Anna dearman Cornick, time management coach and author of Time Management Essentials. Have you ever felt like you're running a marathon in high heels, trying to keep up with everything, but somehow still falling behind? Or maybe you found yourself completely frozen, standing in front of a mountain of tasks, unable to start. Or maybe you feel like you've already tried a whole internet's worth of productivity hacks, but you feel like a failure because none of them stuck for more than a couple days. If any of that sounds familiar, you're definitely not alone. And that's exactly what we're unpacking today, feeling behind, feeling frozen, and feeling like a failure when it comes to managing your time well. In today's episode, we're diving into something that we all wrestle with. Time management, obviously, but more specifically, the three big giant hurdles that often stand between us and taking control of our time. As someone who's been right where you are, balancing a demanding career with family and personal life, I know how tough it can be to manage time efficiently while still getting things done effectively and making time for yourself. So, today, I'm here to walk you through these three common challenges, offering not only my experience, my expertise, but also practical tips and some stories from the trenches that'll help you conquer three of the most common time villains so you can step into the time management main character energy that you deserve. So today, we're talking about how to take control of your time. You'll hear why aiming for perfection can totally tank your time management. We'll talk about what procrastination is really costing you whenever you put things off. And finally, we'll talk about how to make time management work for you and your personality. And because I know you're probably making the most of your time and you're listening in the car while you're running errands or you're folding laundry or doing the dishes, I know it might be a little inconvenient for you to stop what you're doing and take notes. Don't worry, I've got you covered. You can find all the details from this episode over in the show notes, plus links to any of the resources I'll mention. Today's show notes can be found over at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 211. That's two one one. All right, it's about time we get started, so let's get this show on the road.
1: Here's your host, time management coach, Anna Dearman Cornick.
0: Earlier today, I saved my family thousands of dollars in car repairs. So it all started yesterday afternoon on my way home from picking the girls up from school. While it might technically be winter, here in Louisiana, winter weather very often takes the form of rainstorms and humidity instead of fluffy white snow and the chilly cold. I was feeling a little stuffy in the car, so I turned on the AC, as one does, except the air wasn't blowing cold, and it kind of smelled weird, if I'm being honest. So in an instant, I saw the next few weeks flash before my eyes, taking the car in for repairs, forking over hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars to have the car fixed. So we got home, we unloaded the car, and I immediately forgot about it as one does in the chaos of unpacking backpacks and fixing after-school snacks. But I was quickly reminded of the problem once again this morning when I hopped in the car, my white fluffy dog muffin in my lap, and was again greeted by humid Louisiana winter weather. I tried the AC once again to no avail. I even texted my husband Scott at a red light to let him know that the AC was giving me trouble. After dropping off the girls, I made my way back home through intermittent rain showers, flicking buttons on the dash, adjusting the temperature, messing with the direction of the vents, trying anything, when I realized that the green light next to the word auto over next to the air conditioner dial that I think is usually on, well, the green light was off. So I pressed the auto button and hallelujah, the cold air came rushing through the air vents. Very pleased with myself for fixing. So imagine air quotes there, fixing the air conditioner. I let Scott know that I saved the family thousands of dollars by pressing the auto button because the air conditioner was never broken to begin with. Y'all, I don't know how I missed that. It was right there in front of me the whole time. How often does that happen to us? We're struggling with something. We're fighting some kind of an uphill battle. We're spiraling, thinking about the impacts of this problem. It's going to cost us money. It's going to cost us time. It's going to be an inconvenience. It's going to set us back when the solution was right there in front of us the whole time. Now, the thing about fixing problems, whether it is a broken but not actually broken AC, or an engine problem, or even a relationship problem or a time management problem, you can't begin to properly fix the problem until you know what's causing the problem. And I find that whenever I'm talking with friends or clients about time management, they know that something's wrong but they can't quite put their finger on what exactly is causing the problem. And so they don't know the best way to fix it. A lot of times when we know that we have a time problem, a time management problem, but we don't know exactly what that problem is, there are three common things that we do in response. First, We try a bunch of random productivity hacks. We start Googling, hoping that by trying this millionaire morning routine or eating the frog or using this brand new to-do list technique or whatever else, that that will fix whatever is wrong. Or we try to fix our problem by buying a new planner or downloading a new productivity app. We do a Pinterest search, we print a habit tracker, or we get a goal workbook. And don't get me wrong, all of those things are great, but it's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a bruise. They don't really do much because they're not made to fix the real underlying problem. A Band-Aid can't make a bruise better. It just hides it until the Band-Aid eventually loses its sticky and falls off. And then finally, sometimes we try to solve the problem by throwing our hands up in the air and just telling ourselves that this is just what life is going to be like for us. We fully step onto the hot mess express. We give into the chaos and accept that things will never get better for us, either because of our ADHD or our job or our schedule or our toddlers or whatever else. We just kind of give up. And it always breaks my heart to see these three responses in action because none of these responses gets to the root of what's going on. After working with hundreds of overwhelmed, better time management seeking clients, both one-on-one and in the It's About Time Academy, I found that in addition to those three pretty common responses, that there are three pretty common problems underneath all of the time management struggles. And those three problems are perfectionism, procrastination, and personality. So let's dive into each of these three problems and uncover some solutions that you can start putting into place today. So let's dive right into the first one, perfectionism, and why being a perfectionist isn't always perfect. You know, we often wear our perfectionism like a badge of honor. It feels good to be known as the one who always gets it right the one with the eye for detail, the one who never misses a beat. But let's get real. Sometimes this drive for perfection can turn into our biggest time thief. What so many people tend to think of as a strength can actually be a pretty big weakness. Let me share a quick story. So I remember when my oldest daughter, Camilla, had her very first Valentine's Day party at school. I wanted her little valentines to be perfect, and I wanted to make them myself. Typical new mom, first kid kind of stuff. I wanted these little valentines to be flawless, so I spent hours in Canva tweaking the smallest details, building this valentine from scratch. The color scheme, the font sizes, the wording. I was so focused on making it perfect that I didn't realize I was spiraling into a black hole of endless revisions. By the time I called it done, I'd stayed up way too late and was exhausted the entire next day. And it hit me that my quest for Valentine's perfection was costing me my time and my own well-being. So let's talk about what perfectionism really costs us. It's not just the extra hours that we put into tasks, it's about what we're missing out on. Whether it's time with family, a chance to unwind, or even the opportunity to work on other, more important tasks, perfectionism can trap us in a cycle where good enough is never good enough. And that's a stressful place to be. So how do we break free from this cycle? Well, first, we need to redefine what success looks like. It's not about creating something flawless, at least it shouldn't be. Instead, it's about creating something meaningful and effective. Next, let's try setting some boundaries for ourselves. And this is where time blocking can be a game changer. Set aside a specific amount of time to do a task and then stick to it. When time's up, it's up. This forces us to focus on what's truly important and make peace with the fact that yes, sometimes done is better than perfect. Remember, perfectionism can be a helpful trait. Having high standards is wonderful, but it's all about balance. It's about finding that sweet spot where quality meets efficiency. So next time you find yourself obsessing over the smallest details, take a step back and ask yourself, is this really worth my time? More often than not, you'll find that it's okay to let go a little and embrace this beautifully imperfect journey of life. And by the way, I almost fell into this same trap earlier today, searching for this year's Valentine's treats for both of my girls. But I kept myself in check by creating a time block and ended up picking out a simple pre-made template from Fernandina Paper Co. updating with their names and moving on. I think they're going to love them and that's what matters. On to the next, procrastination and what it's really stealing from you. We've all been there, right? That report, that workout, that phone call or difficult conversation, we just keep pushing to later. And it seems harmless at first, just a small delay. But procrastination is like a sneaky little time thief robbing us of a whole lot more than we realize. Here's the irony of procrastination. In the moment, we think we're giving ourselves a break, a little bit of relief. What we're actually doing is we're setting ourselves up for future stress. Think about it. That report, that project that you pushed off until the last minute, now requires a late night work session, stealing your relaxation time, or even a good night's sleep. Or that phone call that you delayed? Well, now it's become this big, daunting, scary task creating way more anxiety than it should. So let me give you a personal example. I'm typically pretty organized and tidy, but sometimes when life gets hectic or we're in a busy season, My office, especially my desk, becomes kind of a dumping ground. So naturally, I put off picking up my office because compared to everything else going on, it could wait. But as the clutter piled up, so did my stress levels. It became harder to find things, which then wasted more of my time, and it even started affecting my productivity and my mood. I got cranky, all because I thought I was saving time by putting it off. I see this a lot with my clients who are business owners. Pressing pause on client work to create SOPs, standard operating procedures, SOPs that they could use to delegate to a team member or a virtual assistant, it feels impossible. They need to get the work done now, so we'll do the SOPs later. And so they put it off and they put it off. And the longer that they avoid creating workflows and systems, the more bogged down they become because they can't delegate without the systems in place. So how do we beat this procrastination habit? First, we need to break tasks into smaller, more manageable steps. When a task feels overwhelming, it's easier to tackle it bit by bit. The Pomodoro method can be a huge help here for longer projects. Here's how it works. And I know I've told you about this one before, but just in case, here's how it works. Grab a timer, work for 25 minutes, and then take a five minute break, that's it. Repeat that a few times, work for 25 minutes, take a break for five minutes, and then after you repeat it a few times, take a longer break. The Pomodoro Method is a fantastic way to keep focused and avoid burnout in the process. I used it a ton when I was writing my book, Time Management Essentials, after former It's About Time guest, Minda Zetlin recommended it to me. And don't forget to reward yourself. If you've finished that task that you've been dreading, celebrate it. Whether it's a coffee treat or a quick walk outside, rewards can be great motivators. The key takeaway here, procrastination doesn't really save us time. It just postpones the inevitable and often makes it worse. So next time you're tempted to push something to later, remember the hidden cost of procrastination. It's not just about the task. It's about your peace of mind, your well-being, and yeah, your valuable time. And if you're listening in and you're thinking, oh yeah, I'm pretty positive procrastination is my big problem, then you're in luck because I've got a whole bunch of episodes that dive deeper into procrastination and I'll link them all for you in the show notes. I should probably put together an entire procrastination playlist at this point. Okay, y'all, so I know we could all probably use a little more time in our day, right? You're no stranger to busy schedules and intentionally filling them up to the brim because you just have so much to get done. But sometimes it feels like you don't really ever have the time to just slow down and enjoy the simple things. Simple things like when my toddlers are giggling and playing nicely together in the backyard, or when a Sunday afternoon nap sounds too good to pass up. We all want more time to enjoy these kinds of things, right? Well, if you love personality quizzes like I do, then you're in for a treat. In my new quiz, which you can take for free at AnnaDKornick.com forward slash quiz, I'm helping you uncover what it will take to get you from chaos to calm, to finally feel like you have space in your days. I know it can feel downright frustrating to keep using the same old time management strategies that just don't seem to work for you. You've got the planners, the calendars, apps, you're doing all the things, but you still feel like you have no time. And that's because you need time management strategies that work for your personality and your life. In my 10 plus years working in crisis communications and chaos management, In all the time I've spent with my clients, I've learned that everyone has their own needs. And knowing what those needs are can really help you discover the best approach to planning your days. Knowing yourself can help you ease up busy schedules and find more calm and clarity in your week. Do you wanna know how to get there, to have more breathing room in your days? let's figure out your time management personality type so you can uncover exactly what you need to do to feel more productive, less stressed, and more balanced. You can take the quiz at annadkornick.com forward slash quiz, and I'll make sure to link to the quiz in our show notes. All right, on with the show. All right, so let's dive into the last struggle, personality, specifically how to make time management work for you and your unique style. You know, time management isn't just about planners and apps and to-do lists. It's deeply connected to who we are, our personalities. And it's easy to think that there's a one-size-fits-all solution to managing our time, but the truth is we're all wired differently. What works like a charm for your coworker might be a complete flop for you, and that's totally okay. It's all about finding what resonates with your personal style. First things first, let's chat about understanding your personality in the context of time management. Are you a spontaneous spirit who thrives on flexibility? Or are you a structured planner who loves a well-organized calendar? Recognizing these traits is the first step toward tailoring a time management system that feels natural and effective for you. So how do you find the time management strategies that work for you? Experiment. If digital tools and apps make you excited about organizing your day, go for it. If you're more of a pen and paper person, indulge in a beautiful planner that makes planning your day a joy. Do you love to-do lists? Great, make them your best friend. The key is to try different methods and see what sticks. Another time-saving option is to take a personality assessment like the Myers-Briggs. As a certified Myers-Briggs practitioner, I've seen firsthand how this tool can unlock amazing insights into our time management styles. And by the way, Myers-Briggs is the one with the four letters like ENTJ or ISTP. So why bring a personality assessment like Myers-Briggs into the mix? Well, because it's like having a roadmap to your own mind. Understanding your personality type can shine a light on how you naturally approach time, tasks, and organization. Are you an INTJ who loves structure and long-term planning? Or maybe you're an ENFP who thrives on flexibility and spontaneity. Knowing this can be a game changer in how you manage your time. So in my practice as a time management coach, I use the MBTI, the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, with all of my one-on-one clients to uncover the time management strategies that resonate best with them. For instance, a client who's an ISTJ found great success with detailed planning and a regimented itinerary style schedule, while another who's an ESFP achieved time management with a more laid back adaptable approach using theme days instead of super specific time blocks. It's all about what aligns with your inherent personality type. And y'all, I love personality assessments so much and find them to be so valuable that I created my own to help you find your time management personality. You can head straight to annadcornet.com forward slash quiz to find out if you're an architect, a mover and shaker, a firecracker, or an optimist. And I'll be sure to link the quiz in the show notes if you haven't had a chance to take it yet. So how do you start to match your personality type with your time management strategies? Well, if you know your personality type, begin by exploring time management strategies that align with your types, strengths, and preferences. Once you have your type, experiment with methods that suit you. If you're a big picture thinker, visual planner might be your go-to. And if you're detail-oriented, a to-do list with specific tasks and deadlines might be more your speed. Embracing your personality type and managing your time isn't about boxing yourself in. It's about playing to your strengths and understanding your natural tendencies. When your time management approach aligns with your personality, it feels less like a struggle and more like a natural flow. So, Dive into the world of personality and discover how your unique personality type can guide you to a more efficient, enjoyable way of managing your time. All right, so let's take a moment to breathe and recap what we've covered today. We started by tackling the tricky territory of perfectionism, understanding why aiming for perfection isn't always perfect, and how it can be more of a time trap than a helpful trait. Then we've entered into the world of procrastination, uncovering what it really steals from us. Not just time, but peace of mind and even opportunities. And finally, we explored the fascinating interplay between our personalities and time management. Delving into how tools like the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator or even my Time Management Personality Quiz can guide us to strategies that resonate with our unique selves. The takeaway from today's discussion is clear. Time management is deeply personal and multifaceted. It's about recognizing and working with our tendencies, not against them. Whether you're fighting the urge to perfect every detail, pushing tasks to later, or figuring out the best approach that suits your personality, remember that awareness is your first step towards improvement. You've got to identify the problem before you can fix the problem whether that's a broken car air conditioner or your time management. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you found some nuggets of wisdom that you can apply in your daily life to make managing your time a little easier and a lot more aligned with who you are. If you've enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, I hope you'll share it with a friend. It really helps the podcast reach more amazing listeners like you. And of course, I am always eager to hear from you. What strategies have you tried? What's worked and what hasn't? Your stories and experiences are what make the It's About Time community so special. As always, you can find all the details from this episode, including a link to take my time management personality type quiz, and check out all of the other episodes on procrastination over in the show notes at abouttimepodcast.com forward slash 211. All right, that's it for today, my friends. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll talk to you soon.